everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my goal to share with you some of my research, insights, and lifestyle tools on how you can improve your urological function and live better with age. Today, we're going to dive deep into diet and prostate cancer. What's the right diet for prostate cancer? If you're listening to this, this applies to you, assuming that you're a man. And even if you're not a man, prostate cancer affects every woman, right? So cancer affects every partner in a relationship. And prostate cancer affects every woman in a relationship. Or if you have a male partner, you're a male partner. So one out of every six men will get prostate cancer in their lifetime. So this goal that we all have of living a long time, right? We all want to live a long time, and I'm all about longevity. Well, the longer we live, the higher the probability of developing prostate cancer as a man. So all you need is to have a prostate to develop prostate cancer. So this applies to every man. Definitely applies to the man that has a higher risk of prostate cancer just because they may have a high PSA or they have a strong family history. Father, let's say, who had aggressive prostate cancer at a young age, anywhere younger than 70. A brother who had prostate cancer. Mother who had breast cancer also increases the risk of the offspring developing prostate cancer. Or you may already have it. There's different stages, right? There's a low risk stage where it's a low Gleason score and men is on active surveillance. They've been diagnosed with a low risk disease. There's that intermediate risk where oftentimes they've been treated either with radiation or surgery and they're trying to prevent a recurrence of prostate cancer, or they already had a recurrence. And then there's the stage of advanced prostate cancer. These are men on androgen deprivation therapy, likely sometimes they've had bone metastasis. So if any of these descriptions apply to you, you need to listen up because there's a lot of confusion as it relates to diet and prostate cancer. And the confusion is because people are reading things on the internet and things that are not true or don't apply to prostate cancer. And I'll give you an example. So one of the diets that I don't think really works and no one with prostate cancer should do is ketogenic diet. Now, I know ketogenic diet is a popular diet. And when you look it up, it is connected to being beneficial for many cancers. There's been many books written on it, some by some of my colleagues that are really excellently written. And yes, Ketogenic diet may work and indeed does work for many cancers, like brain cancer or glioblastoma, where those type of cancers are glycolytic type of cancers. What does that mean? In simple language, that means that these cancer cells use glucose for its energy source. So then the cancer metabolizes sugar and it helps with its growth and spread. Prostate cancer is not that. Prostate cancer is not a glycolytic cancer, at least primary prostate cancer, the one that's encapsulated and has not left the prostate. That's not a glycolytic cancer. That's more like a lipogenic cancer where it can use certain fats for its energy source. So we'll dive deep into that in a second. But first, let me explain to you what a ketogenic diet is and more specifically why it doesn't apply. So ketogenic diet in simple language means a type of diet that increases your ability to create ketones for energy. So you have trillions of cells in your body, and each cell requires a certain amount of energy to function, for your liver to function, for your heart to function, for your brain to function. 
these cells need to create energy. And most of its energy is created from glucose. But if your body does not have glucose because of starvation or a ketogenic diet, then it can use some protein and some of the protein is created into glucose. So that's why a ketogenic diet is not a high protein diet. So it's not a high meat diet. Ketogenic diet is a high fat diet. So protein can be converted into glucose in a process called gluconeogenesis, where now that glucose can be used for energy. But a ketogenic diet uses fat and converts fat to ketones. So the liver in the body converts fat to ketones to then use those ketones for energy. And yes, your body and your brain and your heart can use ketones for energy very effectively. So the notion is, or the theory is, that cancer cells cannot use ketones for energy, but your healthy cells can. So then the cancer cells will die off as your healthy cells can live and thrive with ketones. Again, that is not how prostate cancer works. And that's why when one uses a PET scan called an FDG PET scan, well, what's an FDG PET scan? It uses a glucose tracer for the cancer to identify the cancer. So you put this tracer in intravenously. As the solution goes around the body, anywhere where there's cancer, it lights up. And so then the cancer kind of gobbles up all this sugar. And you can see it up on the screen, all the cancer cells in the body on the screen. Well, you cannot use an FDG PET scan for prostate cancer that's encapsulated because it won't light up. There's other types of PET scans that are used for prostate cancer, but an FDG PET scan is not one that's used. And I only say that because that's a very common argument I've read in books. And when I go to give talks as well, sugar feeds cancer because that's evident by the PET scan that uses up sugar to light up cancer cells. And you can see cancer cells. That does not apply to prostate cancer. A ketogenic diet is not one that I would recommend. I used to recommend it some time ago to patients who were very overweight, not a high BMI, because you can have a high BMI and just not have high fat, to lose body fat, which people that are overweight with a lot of body fat tend to do worse with prostate cancer. So then they tend to have increased rate of prostate cancer and they tend to have more aggressive type of prostate cancer, people who are heavy. And so then losing weight or losing fat is a good thing. You want to lose some fat. So then keto, I used to use ketogenic in that scenario, but I don't anymore. I use more like intermittent fasting, which we'll talk about later. All right. Intermittent fasting. So people who are kind of heavy set, who have a lot of fat, they go on an intermittent fasting type of approach and they tend to do well. So then what do we do? Because what I'm going to tell you now, yes, is evidence-based. Everything I talk about has a scientific backbone to it, but it's also what I've seen clinically to work. So the best diet for prostate cancer is a fine combination of, and this is part of the XY wellness diet that many of you have seen. If you go to xywellness.com, you'll see a printout available to you on the type of diet that I promote for prostate cancer, xywellness.com, is a plant-based Mediterranean type diet, a Mediterranean plant-based diet. So what we know through research is that the consumption of certain vegetables help with keeping 
prostate cancer at bay. The key vegetables to consume include broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and kale. Those are what's called cruciferous vegetables. So what's so magical about these vegetables, right? What's so therapeutic is not so much the vitamins and minerals. And yes, they do contain good amount of vitamins and minerals. It's the phytochemicals. So in my mind, the anti-cancer benefits, and more specifically, the anti-prostate cancer benefits of food is not as much the vitamins and minerals, but it is the phytochemicals, the herbs and spices, the phytochemicals in cruciferous vegetables, the sulforaphanes, for example. These have anti-prostate cancer benefits. So you want to consume at least one or two servings a day of cruciferous vegetables. A typical recommendation is to have half of your plate, at least one plate a day, half of your plate have some sort of cruciferous vegetables. Brussels sprouts, nicely done, not overly cooked, mildly cooked with some olive oil and spices and garlic. All that is a anti-prostate cancer dish. Then you have the Mediterranean part. Fish, particularly salmon, seems to be protective. Though I said that prostate cancer is more lipogenic in terms of it can use more fat. Well, there are many different types of fats, right? There's unsaturated, there's saturated fat. And within each category, there's subcategories, right? There's DHEA and EPA and within the polyunsaturated fats. And there's monounsaturated. There's different types of fats out there. And I think I'm going to devote one podcast in the future on fats. But for now, let's keep it simple. Stay away from trans fatty acids. Stay away from fried foods, from cooked oils and baked goods that sometimes have these oils in them. Stay away from bad oils and use good fats. So the good fats are protective. And the good fats include omega-3 fatty acids. So that's why fish is good, and not only fish, but salmon. I would say salmon is the king of fish as it relates to prostate cancer. Not so much white fish, not so much codfish, not so much grouper, salmon. And good quality salmon that's from the ocean and not overly cooked. So poaching salmon is better than, let's say, cooking it in high heat where there's a lot of charring on the outside. That is evidence-based. There's science to support that. That's not my opinion. Let me repeat that because I think that this is an important point because, look, I have a patient that comes to my office. Oh, I have prostate cancer and I eat so healthy, I don't understand. Oh, what did you have for dinner? Doc, I went to a restaurant with friends and everybody had steaks and potatoes and I had salmon. I ordered brown rice with spinach. So you had salmon, brown rice with spinach. Okay, let's break that down. The salmon in most restaurants is farm-raised and has very little omega-3 fatty acid content in it. Sometimes, because it is farm-raised, it also has BPA and all kinds of environmental chemicals in it that promote prostate cancer. The spinach is one of the highest foods in pesticides, and chemicals. You can find out a list at the Environmental 
working group. I think the website is ewg.org. There's a whole list of dirty dozen and foods that are highly contaminated. So these chemicals that they spray our foods with are pro-carcinogenic and oftentimes pro-prostate carcinogenic. And spinach is top on the list. It's like number one, along with strawberries. That's why spinach and strawberries should be organic. If not, don't consume it. I'm serious. If you do not have access to organic spinach, well, Doc, this comes up in some of my conversation. Well, isn't eating vegetables better than nothing? No, not necessarily. No. If you're eating burnt vegetables, <laughs> overly cooked vegetables, then that does nothing for you. And if you're having foods that are high, not every food needs to be organic, but foods that are high in chemicals and pesticides and herbicides, those you should not eat if they're not organic. So this guy who comes in with the, you know, he went to dinner and he ate salmon. Well, we talked about the salmon. The spinach is high in chemicals that are carcinogenic and they're hormone disruptors and they cause all kinds of havoc in our bodies. And how about the brown rice? Brown rice, come on, isn't that what everybody says to eat as opposed to white rice? Well, the deal with brown rice is that it is high in cadmium. That's right. So brown rice is high, on average, high in cadmium, unless it's organic. And there's several brands out there that have brown rice that's not high in cadmium. So you want organic brown rice. And no, do not order brown rice in restaurants. But isn't brown rice better than white rice for prostate cancer? Mm, I don't know that, honestly. But white rice is only starch, yes. But the white rice, because it's been processed, and yes, you're right, you don't want foods that are heavily processed. But because white rice is processed, it's also very low in cadmium, though it's still very high in starch and so forth. So that plate that seems healthy, spinach, salmon, and brown rice, is actually a pro-prostate carcinogenic dish. And this is why it's important to really understand what's happening here. And I'm not saying don't go to restaurants and we're going to talk about how to be holistic but realistic in the real world. So bear with me here, okay? But if you have prostate cancer, you want to eat a Mediterranean plant-based diet filled with mostly salmon. Sardines are also very good and all other fish come second. Seafood is fine, but nothing is as protective as salmon, not well-cooked, so poached or cooked in low heat, and sardines. All right, let's move on to eggs. Can you have eggs? And the answer is that you want to have no more than four eggs a week because eggs have been closely correlated to prostate cancer. And yes, correlation does not equal causation. I understand. But when I look at it, enough research, observational research papers, and most of them, if not all of them, make a strong case that eggs are not good for prostate cancer, I have to pay attention to that. Now, should you not eat eggs at all? Well, look, the poison is in the dough. So if you eat that plate of salmon with spinach and you know, in the restaurant and brown rice, and you don't have too much of it, you don't have to worry about getting or making prostate cancer worse from that one dish. Just like you don't have to worry about if you have a couple of eggs a week, you don't have to worry about getting 
worse prostate cancer from that or getting prostate cancer. The potential poisonous aspect of any food that's not great for you from a prostate cancer perspective is in the dose if you have too much of it. So based on research and what I recommend patients with is not more than four eggs a week. Well, what if the chicken is free roaming and eating organic feed and is that better? I don't know. I sincerely don't know. I have not seen research on organic eggs that are free roaming as it relates to prostate cancer. The theory is that the yolk has too much choline. It's very high in choline and too much choline is pro-prostate carcinogenic. Let's talk about that for a second. Choline is a very important nutrient for brain function. You wouldn't do well overall without any choline in your diet. So you need some choline in your diet. Again, too much of choline and too much of many things is a problem in the body. So it seems to be that eating too many foods that are high in choline can be pro-carcinogenic for the prostate. Let me repeat one thing here, and I'm sorry that I know sometimes I'm repetitive, but I want to make sure that my words are not misused. So I want to make sure that you can properly implement what I'm saying. I'm not saying to stop eating all choline. I am saying that the research correlates egg consumption with prostate cancer, and it seems to be due to the choline in the yolk. And choline has been associated with prostate cancer. You shouldn't avoid all choline because you need it for brain function, but you should limit its consumption primarily as it comes from eggs, not more than four eggs a week. So Dr. Geo, can I have egg whites? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I wouldn't go crazy on eggs. What I would say is primarily eat a plant-based Mediterranean diet that includes fish and the type of fish that's best for prostate cancer is salmon and sardines. Moving on to carbohydrates. Here's the deal. We all know that there are diet wars out there and a lot of diet confusion. You have the vegans that are saying, well, this is the best way to prevent cancer and live long and well. And then you have the paleolithic diet groups that, well, no, you eat meats and stay away from carbs and you do well, eat meats and vegetables and nuts and seeds. And then you have the carnivores who are literally eating only animal products with little to no vegetables. And then you have the ketogenic and so on. Diets are like religion now, in my opinion. All right. So there's a lot of diet confusion as a result of that. But everybody would agree, interestingly, that processed sugars and simple carbohydrates are bad for you. And it is. This includes all simple carbohydrates, things like pasta and breads and baked goods. I'm not saying to never have a cookie that your friend makes at home and it's nice and warm. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you want to be careful with the dose. You want to be careful with overconsumption. Okay. Very important. But everybody would agree that simple carbohydrates and sugar is not good for cancer and for prostate cancer. So that's one area that everybody agrees. So I would seriously limit sugar. This includes, of course, table sugar. You don't want to add sugar to anything, including your tea or coffee. And you don't want to eat too many sweet things or junk food or 
simple carbohydrates that comes from flour. You don't want flour from wheat or anything like that. You want to limit that or eliminate it. All right, so how about whole grains? What do we do about that? Whole grains are fine, but we already talked about brown rice. So it's not only the grain itself, it's about how it's farmed and chemical exposure to the grain. So in general, things like quinoa, it's great. Brown rice, that's organic. It's better than brown rice that's not organic for the most part because of the cadmium. Buckwheat is great. Oftentimes people use almond flour to create baked goods and things taste good. I like to have, for example, almond flour pancakes. And for me, it tastes great with blueberries. That's what you do with carbohydrates. Do you need to eliminate carbohydrates? No, you don't. You want to be careful with things that are high in sugar and simple carbohydrates, but not eliminate whole grains, particularly that are low in gluten. I would stay away from gluten just because I've clinically seen many people do better as a whole without gluten. Many people have undiagnosed non-celiac gluten sensitivity because gluten seems to be a pro-inflammatory food, so it promotes inflammation. So stay away from gluten. Again, quinoa, buckwheat, those are great to have. I would have vegetables primarily, and you have plenty of carbohydrates for your body to function healthfully from vegetables. Again, cruciferous vegetables and things like fish. How about meats, red meats, chicken and poultry and things of the sort? Okay, here's the deal. Red meat, red meat. Everybody wants to say, Dr. Gio, red meat is bad for you. It is bad for prostate cancer. I don't know that. I don't know that. But I read research. I don't know that. I read the research carefully. Here's what it says. Well, some research does correlate red meat consumption with prostate cancer. But there's a lot of variables in there because typically red meat eaters also are high carbohydrate eaters and simple carbohydrate eaters and smokers and drinkers and so forth. So a lot of variables there. The better research that looks at all the other variables and tries to manage that, it says that meats that are cooked in high temperature are bad because they create these chemicals. When you cook meats in high temperature, it creates these heterocyclic amines, these chemicals that are procarcinogenic. So the research says the following, meats that are cooked in high temperature are not good and are procarcinogenic for the prostate. And Meats that are cold cuts and prepared meats that have nitrates and things like that, those are the type of meats that seem to be harmful and procarcinogenic. Meats that are not cooked in high temperature, and my suspicion, and this is me, I didn't see this in research, but I do know that meats that are grass-fed meats have higher omega-3 fatty acids, low saturated fat, is more nutrient-dense. So if you're going to consume red meat, make it grass-fed. But there's no research to indicate or even suggest that grass-fed meat eating protects against prostate cancer. I have no research to support that. So what I would say is this. If you're going to have meat, have the best possible quality type you can. And yes, grass-fed meat is best type to have. Have it a couple of times a week. Don't do it excessively. And definitely do not overcook meats of any kind in high temperature. If you manage to go to a steakhouse with some buddies and they have fish or red meat, I wouldn't say have the fish necessarily over the red meat and to say that that's healthier. I wouldn't say that. 
again, it's likely farm raised and high in BPA and more carcinogenic maybe than the red meat. And I know the red meat is not grass fed in most places, but I would say unless you don't do well with red meat or unless you're vegan or vegetarian, you shouldn't go to a steakhouse. <laughs> I would say get the red meat, get it medium rare, tell them not to cook it too much and have them bring you a side of rosemary, the herb. So what's the benefit there? So there's anti-carcinogenic properties to rosemary. And when you add rosemary to meat, it kind of offsets the chemicals that are produced from the cooking of the meat. When I am at a steakhouse, I ask them to bring it, not to overcook it, but sometimes they still do, even if it's medium rare. Then I have them bring me a side of rosemary and I just douse it on top of the red meat. And I have typically Brussels sprouts with it or something like that. I don't have mashed potatoes just because I don't like it. And by the way, the cruciferous vegetables do not need to be organic because they're very low in pesticides and herbicides on average. So you don't need organic Brussels sprouts or cauliflower in a restaurant. A is probably the best vegetable for you to eat and most protective. B, you can enjoy it in any restaurant, any setting without having to worry about if it's organic or not. Moving on, chicken and poultry. The research indicates that chicken is fine, but without the skin. It seems to be that the skin is a problem and can contribute to prostate cancer. So here's my takeaway with that. Have chicken without skin, have the best type possible that lived in a healthier environment, organic, free roaming, and remove the skin. I think the problem with the skin is A, that it contains fat. And I think excess fat, like I said, prostate cancer is more lipogenic than other cancers. And B, chemicals and pesticides and things get to be stored in fats. So I think you're consuming all those things in the skin. That's my suspicion. Again, you don't want to overcook any animal product and don't have it that often. You don't need to have chicken that often. So is chicken or red meat protective against prostate cancer? No. If anything, it's neutral. If it's eaten correctly, properly cooked, and you know, removal of the skin neutral. I don't think it does harm, but I don't think it protects. Salmon is likely protective. So are sardines. So your diet should be based around salmon, sardines, some fish, other than that, so it doesn't get boring, vegetables, nuts and seeds. So as it relates to nuts and seeds, things like walnuts and almonds seem to be protective against prostate cancer. So that's a good thing. Olive oil. Excellent. There's monounsaturated fat in olive oil and seem to be protective, good for the heart, right? So a good diet, right, should be good overall for your body and good for your heart. It shouldn't be something that's harmful for your heart and good for prostate cancer, right? And fruits, let's talk about fruits for a second. Fruits are fine. Low glycemic fruits are better. So these are fruits like berries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, organic particularly the strawberries, they need to be organic. You want to be careful with some high glycemic foods like very ripe bananas because very ripe bananas is almost all sugar. So you don't want that. Let's talk about watermelon for a second. So people are actually confused about watermelon consumption and prostate cancer. 
because watermelon is a high glycemic food, but it seems to have lycopene like tomatoes. And so then lycopene is protective against prostate cancer. So what's the deal with watermelon? There's a difference between high glycemic food and high glycemic load foods. The bottom line is you can have a high glycemic index food like watermelon. So you consume it and it rushes into your system and it produces a lot of insulin very quickly. And that's not good. But watermelon is a high glycemic index food, but a low glycemic load food, which means that it doesn't produce that much insulin when it's consumed. So it's a low glycemic food plus is protective or might be. There's no research to support that watermelon protects against prostate cancer, but does have some lycopene. So I think watermelon is fine to eat, particularly in an exercise body, which you should be exercising a lot. Many of these fruits that are sugary are only harmful in bodies that don't move a lot. So move your body a lot, exercise, and after you exercise, keep moving and you'll be fine. I don't think you need to worry about watermelon being a problem. I think watermelon is fine. Apples are great and protective. There's pectins there, so you want apples. And pears and things, those are wonderful to eat. Lastly, let's talk about drink, what to drink. Water, fresh, clean water. It doesn't have to be eight glasses a day, particularly if you eat all these fruits and vegetables because these fruits and vegetables have a lot of water. Remember, fruits and vegetables are 80 to 90% water. So you're eating your water by eating fruits and vegetables. So if you're drinking eight glasses a day of water plus eating all these fruits and vegetables and tea, you'd be going to the bathroom quite a bit. So I don't think you need all that water. A lot of it depends on how much you sweat and how much you exercise, all those things. But you do need to drink clean water. Coffee, coffee seems to be protective against prostate cancer. I would get organic coffee because we don't want these pesticides. Coffee is actually high in pesticides and things. So I would get organic coffee. Some people cannot tolerate coffee. They don't have an enzyme that breaks down coffee properly or the caffeine properly. So if that's you. So if you drink coffee and you get jittery, can't sleep at night, I would pass. It's not worth it. But for those coffee drinkers, coffee's fine. Couple of cups a day is fine. Leave out the dairy, which dairy is not good for prostate cancer. So I would leave out the milk. You can add almond milk if you want to it. You can add soy milk if you want to it. And no soy will not promote prostate cancer. I don't think it's that protective, but I don't think it'll promote prostate cancer. So almond milk, you can have oat milk is fine and rice milk is just very sugary. And you want to be careful with so much sugar. It's a carbohydrate. So once you make a carbohydrate into a liquid, it's going to be a lot of sugar in it. And you can have coconut milk or have it black, which is probably preferable. Add no sugar to it. But Dr. Gio, can I add something to it? Come on, I need a little sweetness. Please add a little stevia if you want. Look, if you add a very tiny amount of sugar, it's not going to promote anything, but it has to be tiny. I've seen people, right, just add tablespoon after tablespoon of sugar. It's like, my God, add some coffee to your sugar. Why don't you? It's like ridiculous, right? So you don't want that. So I would try and figure out how to have it black if you could, and it's an acquired taste, and I think you can do it, all right? Green tea, I would have green tea. If you're a coffee drinker, drink coffee and add green tea to it. If you're not a coffee drinker, just drink more green tea. Green tea is protective. It has 
chemicals in it that have anti-prostate cancer properties, things like EGCG and other chemicals that are catechins that are helpful in reducing the risk of prostate cancer. You want green tea, you want water, green tea. You can have herbal teas, ginger tea. Ginger is an anti-inflammatory. I love ginger, particularly in the wintertime. It's warming, so you want ginger, ginger tea. Chamomile tea is great. Those are my favorite type of teas that have the most protective qualities for prostate cancer. How about fruit juice? I would stay away from fruit juice. So fruit juice is way too high in sugar. I don't care that it comes from a fruit. An apple is not the same thing as apple juice. Oranges are not the same thing as orange juice. So these juices are too high in sugar and they're high glycemic and they're problematic. So I would stay away from fruit juices. If it's fresh squeezed, it's marginally better because there's some nutrient value in there. Or if you blend it like in a Vitamix, that's fine too because you have the whole fruit in there. But in terms of just fruit juice, I would stay away from that. And then alcohol. Alcohol consumption, excessive alcohol consumption has been connected to cancer overall. In fact, I would say it's high up there with cigarette smoking. So I would say that the top three that are mostly associated with cancer include smoking cigarettes, alcohol, and obesity. Those are the top three. So you want to control that. The reality is that some of you are going to drink anyway. So let's be holistic, but realistic. So what do you do? Have red wine. There might be benefit. At least some studies suggest that red wine is fine. Now, the alcohol in red wine is not what's good. It's probably something else. It's probably the pigments of the grapes or something. So you don't want to have a bottle a night. And alcoholism is real. And if you think you have a problem, you need to address it. I've seen many cases in my office of people that don't recognize that they have an alcohol problem, and then they do, and they do better from it. Others that are sober and they live a more fulfilled life as a result of being sober and so forth. If that's not you, and you like to enjoy a drink or something every now and then, have red wine. You get more bang for your buck than anything else. And I would probably say beer is the least best as it relates to prostate cancer. Is this estrogenic components to beer and so forth. Now, Holistic but realistic. Summer day, 90 degrees outside. There's a barbecue, easy with barbecue food. Be very easy. A, the meats are not high quality typically. B, charredness, these chemicals that are carcinogenic. So be careful with barbecues. Yeah, you can cook vegetables and things and portobello mushrooms, and that's fine. But don't overcook it, and that's fine. They're not carcinogenic. The carcinogenesis of chemicals that are cooked in high heat, it's only related to muscle meats from animals, not from vegetables, okay? Sorry to digress, but I figured that this is a good thing to say. Anyway, it's hot summer day, holistic but realistic, barbecue. You're not going to drink red wine, right? We know that. And I don't know that there's any benefit from drinking white wine or white Zinfandel or pink wine or anything like that. So if you have a beer or two, you don't have to worry about it or think that you're promoting cancer. Just be very careful. Don't have it frequently. Have plenty of water and have a beer or two. If you have to drink four or five beers, then that's a problem. Lastly, before I go, the number one rule that I have with diet and life and diet and cancer and diet and prostate cancer is don't ever eat anything with guilt. Guilt might be more indigestible 
than any food you'll ever eat. Be mindful when you eat. Food is addictive. Some drinks are addictive. So be mindful when you eat. Be mindful when you go to an event to eat. Don't go to events hungry ever. Let me repeat that. <laughs> right? Don't go. When you go into the party, don't have the mentality of, oh, let me save my appetite to go to the party. Don't do that. Eat a high-value, optimal dish with food or make yourself a nice smoothie. Then go to the party. Have a good time. Don't worry about it. You're more able to be mindful and more in control in that situation. All right? I trust today's podcast is helpful to you in terms of figuring things out as it relates to diet and prostate cancer. Yes, diet is important and food is medicine, but only if it's the right food. This is Dr. Gio signing off. Talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Gio Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in a world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.